Welcome to the Let's Get Vulnerable podcast with me, your host, Dr. Morgan Anderson, clinical psychologist, relationship coach, love expert, creator of the ESL relationship method, and athletic wear connoisseur. My mission is to help you raise your self-worth, have great relationships, and step confidently into the next level of your life. Each week, two episodes will air featuring expert advice, live coaching, and tips showing you exactly how to improve your life and attract great relationships. You deserve to feel empowered, secure, and loved. So buckle up and let's get vulnerable. Do you feel like you keep dating people who won't commit and you've struggled in your dating life? You've gone through all these breakups, or maybe you've even struggled to consistently date and stay in the dating game. And you are actually the one who struggles to commit and let your walls down. I know how exhausting this can be when you have this desire on your heart that you really want that partner, that best friend, that person to build a life with, and yet your dating life is just going nowhere and you can't seem to find a person to build a healthy relationship with. I just know how frustrating that is. And I was able to take everything I know from clinical psychology and attachment theory research and NLP belief work and build a program that can help you no matter what your past has been, even if you've never had a healthy relationship before in your life, this program will help you become the securely attached, healthy, high self-worth version of you who effortlessly attracts that partner that you've always wanted. So spots are really limited. We can only take a small amount of people every month. And I want to invite you to not wait on your healing. Love is for those who are willing to be brave and do the work And you are so deserving of removing the barriers to everything you desire. So I just want to invite you, apply to the Empowered, Secure, Loved program. You get coaching with me and you will be able to embody that version of you that you deserve. And spots, once again, are super limited. So make sure you apply. You can find the link in my Instagram bio. My Instagram handles Dr. Morgan Coaching, and the link will also be in the show notes. I'm so excited for you to embody that healthy, securely attached version of you. You are so worthy of it. Welcome to the Let's Get Vulnerable podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Morgan Anderson, and I am so excited about today's episode. We are going to talk about stages of a relationship, and I'm going to look at the stages of relationship with narcissists, someone with personality disorder traits. And then we're also going to look at the stages of a healthy relationship. So I think it's really important to revisit the experience of being in a relationship with a narcissist and just to talk about that on this podcast, because I know when I personally experienced that, 
there was not a lot of resources and I didn't really know what was happening. And I thought that it was all my fault and I felt super alone. So I always feel like it's my job to mention it and talk about it. I know it's something I've talked about before, but we're just going to revisit it again today, whether it helps you or maybe it's someone you know and love that needs to hear about being in a relationship with a narcissist. Um, I know that it's going to be helpful. And then of course, we'll just talk about normal, healthy development in a relationship as well. This is also important because it's not talked about enough. And I think a lot of us, as we go through very normal developmental stages in a relationship, we might find ourselves second guessing our decisions, not trusting ourselves, not being sure if it's the right person when it very well could be just a part of the development, a normal experience in relationship development. So we have a lot to cover. I think this will be a helpful episode and I hope you enjoy. Of course, I also want to invite you to join our Successful Women Great Relationships Facebook group. In case you didn't know, we have a Facebook group where women talk about what they're currently going through in their dating lives. And it's a really, really supportive group. So I just want to encourage you to join if you haven't yet. I'll put the link in the show notes. Okay, let's get into it. So a relationship with a narcissist and full transparency, I started thinking about this because I randomly was going through notes in my phone and somehow found myself looking at a note from 2014. I had like randomly searched dinner and there was this journal entry. And what it was, was I was writing out all of the things that my narcissist boyfriend at the time, all of the things that he was saying to me. And I remember writing that and it was an effort to see if when I wrote it out, if I still felt like um, what he was saying was true because I was experiencing so much gaslighting that I was really believing what he was saying. And I was finding myself completely disconnected from my inner knowing with low self-worth. So I remember just writing things out because I wanted to see like, well, hey, if I look at this again, can I challenge it? But I was just so isolated and had experienced so much gaslighting and had such low self-worth. And just seeing that note just reminded me of being in that relationship. And I really felt called to revisit this topic on the podcast. So I have so much compassion for you. If you have been in a relationship with someone with narcissistic personality disorder or someone who has traits. It's all on a spectrum. Um, And I just, I want you to know that there is hope. You can get out. You don't have to stay. I know it's so, so hard and you don't have to stay and healing is so available to you. But let's, let's just talk about the phases that you go through in a relationship with a narcissist. And maybe you've heard these, but it's always good to review. So the first stage is idealizing. 
This is when the narcissist will put you on a pedestal and they will love bomb you. And love bombing is where they are showering you with love, attention, gifts, trips. For me, this looked like my partner flying me to Chicago, taking me out to fancy dinners, buying me gifts, telling me that I was the most perfect person in the world and the only person for him. And I was the one. And he was so excited to marry me. All of this in the first six months of getting to know each other. And this is something where if you've never experienced it or you don't know what to look for, you don't know about love bombing, it's really easy to just think, oh, this is my fairy tale. This is that Disney princess moment for me. And especially if you're someone like me who experienced um, a lot of fear of abandonment and experienced emotional neglect at times growing up, experiencing love bombing is like a dream come true because you've completely merged with the narcissist and you feel like you are their entire world and you're so, so connected. So um, what happens though, is this is all investment into you from the narcissist. They're investing into you and they're able to use this later to manipulate you. So love bombing, um, they may not be consciously aware depending on who the person is or how aware of themselves they are, but essentially a way to be able to manipulate you later on. So we have the first stage of being idealized, put high up on a pedestal and feeling like you're in a fairy tale and experiencing love bombing. The next stage that we move into is devaluing. And I've shared many times on the podcast about when I knew that was happening. And for me, that it started really small. And I think that's consistent with most people I talk with is that the devaluing kind of sneaks up on you. You don't expect it and it can start small. For me, it started with my partner saying that he hated when I wore my hair down or when I wore my hair up and he preferred that I wore it down. So something small like that. And then obviously it can continue to get worse and worse. And that devaluing stage is so painful because you just experienced love bombing and deep connection. And you think this is your forever person and then you're being devalued. And I think it's really important to know that they are so good at knowing what your vulnerable spots are. So a narcissist is really good at knowing exactly what's needed to say, right? What's needed to be said in order to lower your self-esteem. So if you have a vulnerability about your physical appearance, that's what they're going to focus on. They are very crafty at tuning into exactly what it is that's going to impact you the most. So that's the devaluing stage. And this is usually where they're starting to manipulate you. They're starting to gaslight you and you're feeling very confused. 
And this is a, a very stressful phase in the relationship. This can happen anywhere from, gosh, one month in to three months in to six months in to sometimes even a year or a couple years in. You can be dating someone and then you experience this devaluing. So really, really important to learn what it is so you could be aware. And then the next stage after devaluing, this is usually where you experience the discard. So a discard phase is where you're being completely cut out of the narcissist's life and they want to make sure that you hit complete rock bottom in doing so. And essentially, you are no longer providing the narcissistic supply that they needed. They've taken all that they can from you. They're no longer have the chase. You're no longer giving them everything that you once had because you're not able to because typically you're very emotionally um, low and abused and you're not able to give what they want. So they go through this discard phase. Um, And usually it can get really bad where they try to damage your reputation. They want to make sure that um, you feel completely rock bottom. And I know I've heard all kinds of stories about this phase for different people. I know for me and trigger warning, this is definitely talking about relationship abuse. If this is tough for you to listen to, fast forward through this part. But for me, the discard phase also included death threats and feeling very physically and emotionally unsafe and very emotionally dysregulated um, and honestly believing that my life was over, right? So this can be a very painful stage. And then what happens after the discard phase is hover. So uh, a narcissist likes to still know what's going on. They want to be in contact with you. They will always find a way to find you. That was fascinating for me about my ex is that he would always find me somehow. They're very good at that. Um, And they kind of just want you to know that they're still around. And this is very challenging to deal with. You know, you may need to involve restraining orders um, involving the law, but this can be a very challenging time. And what can happen too is they will completely turn on the charm, try to butter you up try to get back into your life. And usually it's because they think that you have something that they want. They want you for some reason in their life again. Maybe they're ending another relationship. They want you back. They'll butter you up, do whatever they can. Maybe they'll try to love bomb you again to get back into your life. So you have to be so, so boundaried and get so much support when you're ending a relationship with a narcissist. And I know that I just talked about the cycle and it sounds horrible and it is, 
It totally is. It's an incredibly painful experience. And there's so much hope for getting out of this kind of relationship and knowing that you can move on and that if you related to any of these phases and you know that, wow, that's that's something I've been through. I just want you to know that you are incredibly strong. You are brave, does not define you. Your past relationships do not have to mean anything about your present or future relationships. And just know that this can happen to anyone. I myself experienced this kind of relationship while pursuing a doctorate in clinical psychology and studying narcissistic personality disorder. Uh, This can happen to lawyers, doctors, high achieving professional women. It has happened to men. It has happened to all people from all different walks of life. And it does not mean there's anything wrong with you. You didn't do anything wrong. Narcissists are simply very, very good at what they do. And my hope is that by you kind of knowing these stages of the relationship, which was idealizing, devaluing, discarding, and hovering, that by you knowing these patterns, that it's going to help you spot it if it's ever happening to you. And the other really, really important thing to note is that people with high levels of empathy, people who are highly sensitive people and who are really good at being open and connecting, we can actually be vulnerable to these kinds of relationships because we see the good in anyone And it's even more important to do your own healing work, to move yourself towards secure attachment, to move yourself towards high self-worth so that when this kind of relationship dynamic comes into your life, that you don't entertain it. Because what happens is when we have, let's say, an anxious attachment style and we find ourselves in this kind of relationship, which I'm describing me years ago, what happens is we are more vulnerable to stay longer because we have such a fear of abandonment and we're prioritizing making a relationship work over what is best for our mental, physical health and well-being. So it's not so much that oh, you have an anxious attachment style and oh, you've had a challenging childhood so it makes you attract narcissists. That's not really it because narcissists are so good at being charming and being whoever. Like they will find themselves um, dating who who they wish. But the differentiator is, is that someone with secure attachment who's done some healing work on themselves who can set boundaries, who can communicate assertively, you're able to leave the relationship sooner is the hope, right? Like the more the more in tune with yourself, the more you can set boundaries, the more that you 
our connected, your securely attached being, that you're going to be able to spot those yellow and red flags and you're going to be able to make the decision to choose yourself more easily. And that's partly why I love what I do in the Empowered Secure Love Program, because I know that when women heal and become securely attached, you're also learning how to not waste your time in relationships that are not good for you and relationships that aren't going anywhere. So you just become a much more intentional investor of your emotional energy. All right. So we talked about development of a relationship, the different phases in dating someone with narcissistic personality disorder. Um, And of course, that can be on a spectrum. Not all people meet full criteria for NPD. Um, And I know I have other episodes on this, but sometimes it's someone who has traits. So there may have been parts of that that you related to, maybe not all of it. Um, And that, that could be totally within the spectrum of someone who maybe has narcissistic traits or hasn't fully healed. And people always ask me, well, how do you tell the difference between avoidant attachment style and a narcissist? I have a whole episode on this. So you can just Google that, Um, you know, a narcissist versus avoidant attachment style, Dr. Morgan, the episode should come up. But one of the main things is With avoidant attachment, it's out of fear that there's pulling away or um, any kind of emotional unavailability is out of fear, out of their own fears about hurting their partner or not being good enough. And with narcissists, their actions and behaviors are about control. And they usually um, vary greatly. And with avoidant attachment, they still have empathy. It's still there. They feel it and they struggle to communicate it. So sometimes people confuse the two, but they are very different in how they show up and what's really going on below the surface. Okay. I want to move on. I want to switch gears and talk about healthy relationship development. And what does that look like? Let's talk about it. Uh, I know I've done episodes on this and it's always good to revisit this. Maybe you're in a new relationship or you're in a relationship that's been a few months in the making. And I think it's really important to just think about, well, what's normal development for a relationship? We talk about development for children all the time and we have things we look for. Um, And we understand that. And I don't think it's talked about enough. What does it mean to grow with your partner? And what are the some some of the things that are normal and expected? And what do you look for? So healthy relationship development starts with a stage. And I'm there's two different, there's two different terms I have for it. Um, but you can call it merging or confluence. So always in the beginning, there's this stage, you know, we call it puppy love, but where you essentially merge with your partner, you're 
you experience that infatuation, if you will. And even though healthy, securely attached relationships, you're setting boundaries, you're still very much in one another's worlds and you're really spending a lot of time together. You're talking a lot, you're developing this connection, right? And there's nothing wrong with this for this developmental stage. You become more like one person. You you become confluent. You're merging your worlds together. And that can be a very enjoyable stage of the relationship. And then we move into stage two, where you realize that you have two individuals two individuals that you're that you are not one person and this stage is individuation where you are saying well you know what i actually don't like watching um diners drives i'm like what is that show with guy ferrari i actually don't like watching the food network right? You're, you're regaining your identity. You're seeing ways that you're different. You're like, actually, I don't like going camping. I don't want to stay in a tent with you every weekend. You are, you're aware of the ways that you're different and maybe that you even have different needs or different ways of expressing how you feel. And this stage can start to bring in a little bit of doubt for couples if they're not aware of it because you go, well, what just happened? We had so much of a spark and now there's ways that we're different. And this is where power struggles can begin. And you can see people pulling away. And then there's the fear of, but what if we lose each other? Are we really compatible? Can we be who we want to be and still maintain a relationship, right? So you have the power struggles. We have both individuals fighting for their values, their wants, and their needs. And what's really interesting is this is so tied to our past experiences, to our childhood narratives. And oftentimes this stage has very little to do with the relationship itself. And we're really working out unfinished business from childhood. And if we don't know how to navigate it, if we don't have the right communication, or we're not able to move ourselves towards secure attachment, this is where a lot of people break up. This is around month three to six. I don't know about you, but when I was operating from a dysregulated attachment system place, a lot of my relationships would end by the three to six month mark. That was it. It was like, what is the deal with with this, you know, this um, time? Like I can only get past the three to six month mark. And it was this stage of development that I could not navigate well with a partner. So that's a normal stage. And this is where it's so important to learn how to communicate with your partner if you want to handle it well, where you learn how to also tune into yourself, build self-trust in this stage so that you can properly communicate. And obviously, it's really helpful to also know what is the unfinished business from my childhood and what is the piece of 
the relationship that I need to address with my partner. So what is what is mine and what is ours? And a lot of people also really struggle to do that. And then the third stage would be basically the second stage, but you're coming to the fork in the road. And this can be the decision stage. So so we have stage one was confluence and merging. Stage two is individuation, where you realize you're individuals and there's power struggle. And then stage three is the decision. And this decision stage is, do we decide to emotionally invest in our relationship and continue to grow together? Is this a sustainable connection that we see growing for the long term where we both can show up and grow together? right? Or do we not feel willing to grow? Or do we know in our gut that it's not the right relationship? And this decision stays um, phase can be really challenging for people because they don't want to make the decision. People hate making decisions, <laughs> especially with things that involve fear or pain, or they don't quite trust themselves. So Instead of navigating this phase of a relationship well, a lot of people will involve substances, overuse of them. I have no judgment for people that engage in alcohol or what, whatever, but overuse, right? Like to numb or distract or try to not feel things. That's common at this stage. Another thing that's common is affairs starting to talk to someone else because it could simply feel easier to go back to that confluence early puppy love. We are one to go back to that stage. You might think that that feels so much easier. So it's a great way to distract yourself from the work of a current relationship. Um, and then people can be stuck in this stage for years. I think that's really important to point out. The decision stage can feel as though, and it often does, it can go on for years when there's not secure attachment that's built. So if there's not secure attachment from both people and you haven't actively both emotionally invested and there has not been adequate reassurance from both people you can be in this decision stage for years. And I have so much compassion if that's you. I've um, worked with people in that place. I've been in that place. I've been in on again, off again relationships, one that went on for four years. And it's incredibly painful when you're in that place. So to handle that... (laughs) requires to navigate it well, requires both individuals in the relationship to come together and make the decision together that they both want to show up and they both want to do the work of building a securely attached connection and that they both desire a connection and have the emotional capacity to do it. 
So I hope this was really helpful. I feel like this might be eye-opening for some of you listening, just to talk about these stages that you go through confluence where you merge with your partner. Then you go through individuation where you realize you are still two individuals. And that's when the power struggle begins and you start to question if they're really the right person for you. And then you move into the decision. And this is where people can get stuck for years. And then I would say the stage after that, which I hope all of you find yourself in one day, is healthy, long-term, sustainable, romantic connection that allows both individuals to grow as individuals while simultaneously growing the romantic connection and building the relationship together. So that was a long, that was a long definition for that stage. But the final stage is where we all want to be. And so many people find themselves, it's kind of like, I, I picture like a video game where you can only get to level two and you die every time. And it can feel that way in relationships where you're like, why can I not progress? And I can tell you, it's probably because you're not able to navigate individuation or you're not able to navigate the decision stage well, or you're also picking people that can't navigate those stages and that don't really want to do the work of navigating it. Okay. If this was a helpful episode, let me know. And of course, I would love to coach you. We do have some spots open in the Empowered Secure Love Program. We have had so many amazing women so far this year. It just brings me so much joy. I could cry thinking about it of like just getting to witness people heal and change. And I'm just really grateful to be part of their journeys. So if you know you're ready to do the work, I want to encourage you now is the time. Make sure you apply to the program. You can use the link in the show notes or in my Instagram bio. But I hope you got a lot out of this episode. I am wishing you high self-worth and great relationships. I'll talk with you soon. You guys, thanks for tuning in. I really appreciate each and every one of you. The best way that you can thank me is by sharing this episode on Instagram, Facebook, and making sure that you tag me at Dr. Morgan Coaching. And it would really mean the world to me if you took just two minutes to leave me a five-star review on iTunes. This podcast is not free to produce. And the more that you help this little show grow, the more people will have access to this valuable information. So until next time, I'm wishing you high self-worth and great relationships. Thank you for being part of this community.